Welcome to Texas Style Coworking. The ranch office is a neighborhood community office that delivers a warm atmosphere with a heavy dose of Southern hospitality. Located in Memorial, Katy, and Baytown, we offer private offices, conference rooms, event space, and much more. Come change things up and check us out. Remember, life is better at the ranch. Now more than ever, the industry that fuels the world needs the right people to modernize and unify a global energy platform. The transformation is both digital and cultural. Join us as we explore strategies for success in the hyper-competitive war for talent here on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, hosted by the IBM North American Oil and Gas Team. Hello and welcome to another episode of Energy Workforce of Tomorrow. My name is Jason Duff. I'm IBM from IBM, looking after North America Oil and Gas. With me today, I have four people. Brian Woodward, my host, and Paula Elliott, another co-host. Hello, Brian. Hey, Jace. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I think we're officially thawed and back in the saddle after this cold weather, right? I am not sure I'm thawed. You know, I had another pipe issue. My hands are bloody still freezing from yesterday being outside in the cold. One of these days you're going to learn as a transplanted Texan that pipes do freeze. It's not Scotland. There's no insulation in the walls, all those good things, right? I still don't understand that one. I still don't understand why. But let's go on to the warmer stuff. Please introduce Paul O'Brien. Paul, you want to say hi? I still think, by the way, every time Jason brings on a new host, he's auditioning my replacement, but that's okay. We're trying it. We're trying. You just don't walk away, Brian. But that's right. On you I, go. I'm not getting the hint, but Paula, welcome to the show and welcome. Woohoo! To- Thank say a quick you. hi before we introduce our guest. Everybody, Paul Early, first day at IBM. So I literally have been put into the hot seat on my very first day. So. I hope I serve you well. You weren't ready for this one, Paula, were you? I'm always ready, Jason. I was going to say you're always ready for this. Any views, just a quick one, top of the head, energy workforce of tomorrow. What does that mean for you, top of the head? You know what? I actually think I'm still trying to work that out for myself along with a lot of other people because I'm a transformation executive and a change agent. And I just haven't seen as much change as what we're going to have coming forward with Gen AI and digital, I think we're coming into our own with that. So I think there is a lot to explore. And I think there are going to be early adopters. And then I think there are going to be more conservative adopters. And I'm probably a big reason why I came back to IBM to be part of that journey. But I think the workforce is going to have a significant transit. It's already on the up ramp post COVID. And I think it's still heading in that direction. Spot on. And I think you've joined the best podcast to join, isn't she, Brian? 100%. Because today we have Mr. David DeCure from ICANN. Hello, David. Hey, how's it going, y'all? Are you warm, David? I'm thawing out like you, but I'm glad it'll be typical Louisiana weather. So next week it'll be 70 degrees and we'll feel like the spring. So That's what we want to hear. Back to shorts, Brian. That's what we want to hear. It's not far away, that's for sure. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. David, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Paula, what a great intro, I think, to this conversation in terms of the change in the ways of working in our industry and maybe the speed at which it's moving, even if folks don't want to readily admit that. David, I think it'd be great for you to take a few minutes to explain what you and your company I can do because I think it's right in the center of leveraging these technologies to help the workforce adapt. So you want to kind of give a quick intro to what you guys do? And I think it really set the conversation forward. 
No, that's perfect. So thank you. And I love kind of how Paula teed it up because that's kind of exactly what we're doing. So when you look at Bureau of Labor and Statistics and the Workers Index, so that's open jobs to qualified employees. That number historically is at 2.7. So roughly every job I got open, I got three qualified people to pick from. That number today is at 0.68 and falling. So there's never been a greater time in history to develop within and retain your workforce. On top of that, your most competent people, your most skilled people, your baby boomer, the youngest one's 59 years old and they're leaving the workforce at 3.8 million a year. So you have to be able to figure out ways to not only get new people in the door, but train them at a lot quicker pace than you ever have before because you don't have anybody on the bench anymore. You can't just call somebody and get qualified people like you traditionally have. And because of this, if you look at OSHA's fatality and catastrophic investigation, since 2017, that number has just been going through the roof and it's going through the roof because your most competent people are leaving. So that's exactly the problem that we're working to solve. To the extent that one of our customers just announced today that their downtime, their production downtime has increased by 34% because they have more competent people doing it. So what we do at ICANN is that there's two really big things. So on the training side, it's a system of record, just like a traditional learning management system you've seen. The difference is that you can go into our software, you can type in any topic on anything in the world that you need to train people on. It doesn't matter how technical it gets. You hit the button and instantly it creates computer-based training. So it creates pictures, it creates the script, it does the voiceover. You can edit it, you can put your own pictures, but it happens instantaneous. Right after that, you can then tell it to build you an exam. So it'll build you an exam, multiple choice, true, false, on any topic in the world instantly. You can also do the same thing with evaluations where you say, hey, I want a hands-on evaluation on how to inspect a compressor or a fire extinguisher, and it'll instantly create this. So time to value is instant, and it's customized specifically to you. And the best news is if you're using our software, it's free. On the other side of that is the competency system. So what we've really done different is we crowdsource all of these different competencies. So all these subject matter experts from all over the world, they're feeding into this continuously. And by doing that, on day one, our customers have access to this vast library And then they also have industry analytics. So for the first time in history, that company can look to see not only how does this person compare to the average of my company, but how does my company compare to an entire industry? So 10,000 people and growing as the company keeps evolving. And so that big data picture, it just keeps getting crisper and crisper as we keep pumping people into it. It's a really exciting company. It's a really exciting problem that we're trying to help solve. Where'd you get the idea from, David? What's your background? Because it sounds like you must have a background in AI to get here, correct? Oddly enough, my background is petroleum engineering and technology, traditional MBA, and managing oil and gas assets. The way that it kind of happened was the company that I was working for, they stuck me in training. I kind of thought they were punishing me, but they just said, hey, we feel like if you're there, you're going to figure out a way to save us some money. In about 10 months, I created the largest OPEX savings that they've seen in their 80-year history. But And it was basically by just implementing technologies. But what the big thing was, I kept asking them, hey, what are you doing to make sure you're developing the workforce of the future? And there wasn't a really good answer. And when I started asking industry, there wasn't a really good answer So I wrote the business plan to say, look, there's a really good business in helping people become the next evolution of themselves, upskilling and reskilling the workforce of the future. 
Luckily, I was saving them so much money that they said, hey, we'll actually be your first investors to get you started. So wow. that's how we came about. Two years in business. We've got 10 or 12 customers, oil and gas, service companies as well. It's been growing pretty consistently. So it's exciting. David, first of all, I want to try a license because I want to build real-time manual for my mother-in-law on how to use the remote control. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to mind of mine when you said how fast you can build trading content. But I think for our listeners out there, and I think it's interesting that you were moved into the training department from the field, but I think we all know if you've been around this industry and close to it, a lot of times the way training content is generated, it gets multiple levels away from... The yes. folks who Reality. actually know what should go into that training content and the typical project model around training content generation, skills development, et cetera, starts to take sometimes a cycle time so long that it can be irrelevant or start to age and be irrelevant before it's consumed on a mass level. This sounds very, very different. So can you maybe explain a little bit about what the typical scenario would look like inside of a customer when you say you need to create a manual for somebody who's working on the rig. Who's the creator? Who's the consumer? And what's uh, cycle time look like? That's a really great question. Like you said, traditionally, what would happen is if you wanted to create your own content, you would have to buy some kind of software that you can develop content with. Then you have to hire somebody that knows how to use that software. And then you have to have the subject matter expert tell them what they need to be building because all they know how to do is operate the software. And that cycle can take anywhere from three to six months just to get one computer-based training out the door and not even talking about exams and evaluations. We're just talking about the CVT part. Well, now that subject matter expert, no matter what their expertise is, can sit down in front of the computer on our software, type in the topic, tell it, I want this many sections and I want it to last 15 minutes and hit enter. And it automatically generates the different sections, what the topic of each section is, the script so they can edit the script. It automatically generates AI pictures or they can use their own pictures. But the time to value on that is instant. So literally a subject matter expert can build anything he needs and be able to edit it, critique it, during their lunch break and then be assigning it to people in the afternoon. Also what they can do is, let's say there was a safety alert or a policy or procedure, they could copy that policy, paste it into our software and then ask it to generate computer-based training off of that and it will read that policy and the LLM will then create the computer-based training specific to that policy. So when you think about anything from how to use the remote control to how to operate something <laughs> offshore in a very dangerous environment. You can literally create this content in seconds now. I've got a question for you, David. So I do have a learning background from some time ago, and it sounds great. My question is pretty specific. I can see the use for this for the actual learning team themselves sitting in the function, but I can also see it equally as valuable for employee-based content that they're building themselves. In your experience, what's the split now? If you're in the flow, I'm in front of a valve or whatever it is you want to have, could be anything, right? Could be in procurement, whatever. What's the split up? What's the ratio? I don't know if I have the exact ratio, but you can imagine that like all of the, your HR training, that traditionally there's a dime a dozen, there's thousand of these. Well, you can literally create that whole library specific to your company in a couple of hours. Same thing with like cybersecurity, all of those CBTs that you have to buy from vendors. 
instantly. And then you get more into the technical definitions and stuff like that. So where I see the future is in the next 36 months that you are going to see these companies have their own vector databases and LLMs. What our next phase is that we're setting up to is that we would be able to point directly at that LLM or that vector database to where when you type in the topic, it's only looking at your data. Instead of having to copy a policy in and looking at data all over the world, it's just looking at that data. Yeah, and I see the pros and cons to both, David, maybe having the both the best worlds on that. You know, I mean, the very specific examples, you want very curated, specific data out of your environment, and then maybe sometimes you want to look externally on things. So it's really interesting because you can build content really fast. You can get rid of stuff that doesn't matter very quickly either, right? Because your investment is low, or maybe it gets a little bit competitive internally. Who's building the best training content, right? The easiest to consume. What's kind of the future, if you will, around the collaborative nature of this in terms of taking a piece of content and I'm going to say, for lack of better terminology, passing it around where members of a team can optimize and improve, right? Right now in the system, when you're building all of this stuff using AI, you basically save it and then different people that have that same permission level can get in and edit it and stuff like that and see it. Where I even think that the future might look like that's really kind of cool to think about is not every company has subject matter experts in anything. So imagine you've got a subject matter expert at company X on glycol systems. And he sits down and is designing a glycol training that's the best glycol training that's ever existed because he's the engineer that's actually designed this stuff. And then he's putting it onto a marketplace that other companies that don't have that expertise could automatically be buying where it's got rating and reviews and stuff like that. So I can see a marketplace where you have all of these different subject matter experts building out really incredible content because that's what they've specialized in their whole career. And then having like a rating and review section to where you can be picking out what you want and stuff like that. So the best way to think about it is like traditionally the way that the computer-based training industry and exam and evaluation and all that, it's kind of the blockbuster model. And the best way to think of us, we're kind of more the Netflix model. So bringing that all together and giving you instant access to it. I think I rented some blockbuster videos over the holiday to finish all of my compulsory training, right, Jason? Absolutely. And, you know, you think about even maybe in our industry where there's a lot of resurgence in either redevelopment of existing assets or construction of new assets. And that's always a big challenge, right? When either the equipment manufacturer or the EPC provider is doing a handover, that seems to constantly be a big hill or a big wall to climb in terms of being able to take over an asset that's either been reworked or developed new and get it functional and get it operationally as quick as possible. I mean, I think the collaboration between vendors and customers and service operators and customers, I mean, there's a ton of potential there, the speed at which you can move. That, and I think another thing to really think about is think about the new emerging technology, all of your renewables and stuff, your wind, your solar, then think about like LNGs and all this new stuff where you're having to take an existing workforce and you're upskilling and retooling for the workforce of the future. Well, right now, try to go out and find computer-based training and technical training on wind, solar, LNG, stuff like that. It's not out there. It exists in oil and gas because oil and gas has been around for almost 100 years, but it doesn't exist 
in these new technologies. You have the ability to use a tool to instantly create that training specific to those technologies because that technology, that research is in, it, these LLMs have learned off of that. Really cool. Go back to something that Paula said, David, at front that's got me that clearly training before, I did some training over the end of the year as well to catch up in IBM. And some of it was a bit boring and my feedback was that I'm a pictorial person and if it's just words constantly coming at you, I just become bored with it. It's A, B, C or D and E. My ADHD kicks in, if I'll be brutally honest, and I'm just choosing something and moving on. So I can looking also at pictorial and how you're tuning into different people, sort of how people, different people are. And because I guess training's not just for, hey, there's four of us here. We've trained everyone ticking the box. It's how you're getting people more efficient, more smarter run the plant better, right? I would imagine that's where you're going to take ICANN and how you're going to advance this sort of offering, correct? That's a great thing. So we've got a ton of data and a ton of analytics in the background to tell us how people are using things. And I always tell people, like when you go to, on Amazon to buy something and the buy button's on the top right-hand side, that's because they've put that buy button everywhere and they found out you're 20% more likely to buy it if it's on the top right-hand corner for whatever reason. So we are constantly testing things out, nice. failing fast to see what people like, what they don't like. We have like rating and reviews and all this stuff to give us all this different information in the background. So that's happening now. But everybody always loves talking a lot about the AI models, but the training, that's only a building block to getting people to a more confident state. So you have to have that full life cycle. And that's why that competency side with your industry benchmarks is so significant because traditionally in competency management, you buy this software, then you get all your subject matter experts together to build out what they think people need to be competent in. Then you assess all of your team and you have no idea if it actually worked or not because yeah. you have nothing to compare yourself yeah. to. Otherwise, they've just gone through the training and so what? How do you know? But yeah. Did it work? Yeah. Now you absolutely know is what you're doing working or not because you now have industry benchmarks to say, we're training people on glycol systems. This is the industry average on the competency of it, and here's our score compared to it. See, I like that one. So, yeah. Paula, when you and I were in the UK, remember we were working with a couple of multinationals, and when they were doing training, their problem, I think, it was rounding the circle, wasn't it? They could get the first part, get the content on, learning from it. The problem was if Paula was coming in behind me or vice versa, they couldn't get people to amend or adapt or improve the circle, correct, Paula? Do you remember that? It was very static at that yeah. point. You do the module, you get it all QA'd, take forever, you'd be invited. Now we're talking not so much even a Netflix, a bit of a YouTube, because you want bite-sized chunks of information that we're going to consume. And I think I'm hearing about ICANN is it's still really giving you the ability as the content creator to take the precious stuff, the information out of your head, and I'm giving you the tools to really rapidly deploy something to your user base. We all want that information just in time, and this is a tool that's helping promote just-in-time learning is what I'm hearing, I think. And that, to me, is appealing, and I think it would be appealing to users because they can get in the flow, and then, yeah, we can like it, we can dislike it, we say, actually, I didn't understand this part, and you can 
edit. It's much more agile rather than have all these transactions. I'm going to build these modules. Then I'm going to put them in a big scenario base. I'm going to put tie a ribbon around it and I'm going to send it out. <laughs> I'm going to have 20 people review it and all this stuff. And then I'm really not even going to have a net promoter score on it. Whereas that is not how we consume information anymore. So I just think what I'm hearing, and I'd love to see it, is you can take a subject matter expert who's not a learning expert and just say, give us all that rich knowledge and we can publish and see how the audience like it. And one of the things that we're seeing right now, which is really incredible, is like Jason said a second ago, he took training at the very end because he had to take training. Yeah. Well, What we're really seeing now is that one of the number one reasons people leave organizations is because they say, like, I didn't feel like there was any opportunity to develop myself. And so I moved on and everything. Now, these subject matter experts can build these trainings and all this content so quickly and get it out the door. You create this huge library very quickly and that doesn't cost any extra money. So Now the employee that wants to develop themselves, traditionally they'd say, hey, I want to do some more training. I'd like to develop myself. And the company usually says, well, that's great, but that's going to cost more money. So that's out for this year. Well, now that's free. And now the person says, hey, I'd like to learn more about glycol systems. And literally they check a box and the person has glycol systems designed by their subject matter expert specific to their equipment waiting for them instantly. That's a huge deal to get people the different training that they want and stuff. How difficult is it to get new clients, David, thinking in this way? I would imagine people are still thinking probably in ways like Paula and I were thinking about of the old way and, hey, hold on, David, this is a little bit Google-ish and can't we just go back to the folder with something's already, Brian's already signed it off and there's a bore. I'm, we've done it for 20 years. I think like every customer that we've gained has worked the same way where they bucketed us and just the traditional, oh, this is another <laughs> learning management system thing. And then they see what we do. And then every single customer has said, all right, I didn't realize this is what this is. And now I need to have another meeting with a lot more people involved <laughs> to be able to see it now. And I tell people, you know, our biggest competitor is the status quo. This is how we've always yeah. done it. Yeah. But when people actually see it in action, We don't really get a no. We've heard some not right nows because of other initiatives that they're working on, but faster, better, cheaper. It's kind of what everybody's looking for in today's industry, and that's the exact solution we're giving. I can definitely see it also contributing to that lifelong learning culture. So if now I've got the tools at my fingertips and it's not just the responsibility of a learning team sitting here in a central function and and as you rightfully said going back to an SME and bringing it back and did I understand you and of course you're going to have some QA steps along the way before it's published but the more people who are collaborating and helping others learn I think also contributes to that overall lifelong learning culture that we really aspire to because to your earlier message We have many multi-generations in the workforce and a lot of rich knowledge is going out. Wouldn't it be wonderful, you know, if they put their parting wisdoms down for some things, you know, and what they were really awesome about? I mean, that's a rich library. Yeah, and you can do it that much quicker and stuff. So even to the extent when you think about, just take the idea of like, site orientations where you view this site orientation before you go to this site. 
Well, imagine now that the site orientation was actually built by the person at the site and the pictures and the information they're using, it's their pictures, their stuff. Now take that step one step further and instead of going to an industrial site, think about like Airbnb, where when you book a place at Airbnb, they send you the email with all the information and how to get there and everything. Well, imagine if they had a link that they could click and it was a computer-based video that they could walk through that shows them how to access the front door, where the thermostat is, how to turn the water off if the pipe busts, if something freezes. Just be able to give them all of that information instantly and literally anything you need. That's a huge thing to think about. And one of the things that comes up with AI a lot is one, how safe is my data? Basically, the way that we're set up is the language model doesn't learn from the data that you're putting in through our software. So if you go in like chat GPT or something like that, you type stuff in, it's learning off of that. There's a lot of problems there where people are copying documents into chat GPT and it's learning off of that. We take that problem away. You don't have that problem. It's secure to be able to get to. The other really big problem is how do you know the information that you got back is correct? How do you make sure that the AI model didn't hallucinate? So in all of the stuff, when you're using our software, when you look at ICANN and you type in topics, you're always getting back the references and the rationale. So it's giving you a rationale of why this is correct. And then it's giving you reference, like go to the Code of Federal Registry, OSHA 1910-147, hazardous lockout tagout. And you can go and verify that that question, that hands-on evaluation, this piece of the CBT is actually correct because it's referencing the Code of Federal Registry. So the other day, Jason and I were talking, and I literally typed in a topic about IBM's manual. Yep. It was actually pulling IBM's user manual, and he could go and reference the different chapters and sections on how to do something. And Brian, it was a business conduct guidelines. Clearly, it was... Uh... I've crossed those a few times. It happened to be on Jason's desktop. I have no idea why. He's <laughs> <laughs> that handy and upfront. I know he does. That's cool. I mean, Paul, and I think you touched on something really important as well is, and David, when you kicked it off with the workforce that is aging out, making it easy to pass on knowledge to the next generation is absolutely critical. And no one has time to sit there and write manuals. And I can imagine... I've seen there's a move, say, in the technology and programming coding world where people are doing screen recording with tools like Loom, for instance, where you can watch someone record and execute procedures. But even if that cell in of its way is a bit laborious to get through because it's a very long recording. But if you can take things that are organized in a very context sensitive way or a searchable way that's really relevant to the point in time that I need it. And me as a provider can generate that for Jason. Let's say you were on leave of absence or something for a couple of months and you needed to very quickly give instructions on how you do operation, you know, operating roll-up reporting or whatever. I mean, you could probably do that in 10 minutes, something like this. On any function you have within a business, one of the scariest things that you can hear in business is when you hear an employee say, this company wouldn't know what to do if I wasn't here. Absolutely. That's like the worst thing you yep. could ever hear. And it exists everywhere, so right? Yes. And you don't go anywhere where you don't hear somebody saying that at some point. So you have to figure out very quickly how to capture that knowledge because there's a good chance that person's going to be there. 
y'all know as well as I do, you don't have these 30-year employees anymore. Like these major oil companies that y'all probably do business with today, I was talking to one of the presidents, you know, a few months ago. The life cycle of their employees right now is eight years. Used to be 30 years and they could pick from any college anywhere in the country. Now it's eight years. And three of those years, they're spending training these people, spending a ton of money getting these people developed, and then they walk out the door. So this helps to solve a lot. It's not the answer to everything, but it does help to solve a lot of those challenges that you're faced with today. And who's the biggest backer of these things, David? Is it Institute Petroleum? These types of bodies sort of bought into this training as well? I would have thought some of these institutes would be... What's really neat right now is some of the newer customers that we've talked to, They've actually come to us because the regulators, they can't make a recommendation, but basically nice. nonchalantly kind of said, the companies that are using this company aren't having the same problems that you're having. That's been a huge thing. Obviously, my background was oil and gas, so it's where I started. So oil and gas companies have really been our bread and butter. The kind of middle tier company, let's say from... 500 to 10,000 employees are really great for us. Once you start getting larger, can we help solve those problems with them? Absolutely. But anytime you talk about these very large multinational, there's a lot of red tape, a lot of bureaucracies. We're only a two-year-old company. So will they become customers one day? I think so. It just takes time, meetings. and What's the best way to get to know about ICANN, David? I mean, the website, is there something there they can go and play with before they speak to you? I mean- Yeah, so if they go to www.icantech.ai, that'll take them to the website and they can look through all the different solutions. There's a video to show how everything works and it all dots connect and stuff. Then from there, they can book demos and stuff with us or just reach out if they want to have generalized questions, stuff like that. Also, LinkedIn and Facebook, if you just type in ICANN Technologies, it's pretty simple to find our page and reach out to us. The main goal is just to help people become more prosperous, upskill, reskill, better versions of themselves. So maybe you're not going to be a customer of ours, but we still love to hear from you and talk to you just to see what you're doing in the space and what can we maybe work together because the end goal is to help people become better versions of themselves. Brian, I love this because I think it isn't something we don't speak enough of. And like we said, between Paul and I, it's quite funny because literally Paul and I's connection before was with BP and Shell where we couldn't close that circle. And it was really, really difficult. And here the technology now that we could use now, Brian, and how quick we could get it out into the hands of people and how it could be adapted, it'd be fantastic. I mean, it just makes so much more sense. And just think about the quality of that on how quick you build something in 30 minutes, you put it out the door to 30 people and 15 of them tell you that it's horrible. And then right there on the fly, you fix what they don't like and have them try it again. And then immediately it's out the door. Instead of finding out six months later that everybody hates this training that you're giving them because it's not correct, it's instant now. You're getting that feedback and making those changes instantly. It totally follows that agile philosophy, doesn't it? I get it out, I take the feedback, I adjust. And because of the learners are themselves rating it, I'm assuming you're going to have some sort of reporting that says, here's the spike, you know, everyone loves this module. And so you can then showcase that as well, get more people to see it. And then bring the whole journey together to where not only the training, but also being able to show the competency profiles as that person evolves through the different skill sets and everything else. And 
one of the next things that we're going to be, because again, it's also how much money companies are saving by different softwares and stuff like that. So if you take everything I just told you, tweak the model just a little bit, which is what we're doing right now, and give you another page. Now, instead of exams, you have surveys. Now, you can build a survey for your employees on any topic in the world. You can send it out to them immediately, assign it to them, get the feedback, and then pull in the statistics to see how do they like the new sandwich in the lunchroom all the way to how do they feel about the culture of the company. But all of that information is instantly created and can be out the door in minutes now. I love it. And I think in the next generation coming up, that's what they expect. I mean, you know, you think about how much I look at my kids and how much they they learn off of Instagram and I wouldn't call learning off of TikTok, but they want bite-sized time relevant information at their fingertips instantaneously. I think it's a great capability for people to pass their knowledge on, but it's a great capability for how the next generation wants to learn and consume information. No, and that's a lot of when you think about competency, like with what we do, because figuring out a person's not competent, that's only a piece of the problem. Yeah. Now you got to solve the rest of it to make them competent. So one of the great things is going through that assessment and then being able to identify exactly what the training that they need and have that assigned. So instead of you sitting in the class, you would probably know 90% of the answer. You're only there for that 10% you don't know. Just get the 10% you need and be done with it. But, and again, like you said, well, two things that traditionally have happened. One, these computer-based trainings, they have to kind of paint the rainbow because they have to solve this huge community. You get a very robust training that it's an hour long and it probably could have been 15 minutes. Ro- robust so, slash generic. Yes. Yeah. And it's very generic. So being able to say, hey, look, I need a five minute video on this and I want it to have three sections and then edit it and get it out the door. It improves like employees actually wanting to sit down and do it instead of like Jason said, I waited till the last minute and did it because I had to. It's more, hey, look, it's a five minute thing on something I want to learn. So What's really cool now is one of our customers, what they started doing is in the Gulf of Mexico, the regulators, the Bureau of Safety and Environmental Enforcement. So they put out these safety alerts. The safety alert, usually it probably gets emailed to everybody and the people getting it probably hit the delete button on that email and never read it. Or they read it in a safety meeting at 530 in the morning when everybody's half awake and trying to eat breakfast. Well, what they've done now is they get the safety alert. They copy it, paste it into the software, and they ask for five questions. And then they set it up to where the first thing that the person does, they open that safety alert. Then the next thing they do is they take a five-question exam on that safety alert to verify that they understood what they just read about. But, But they don't have to do anything now, right? It's just copy and paste and hit enter instead of having these teams get together and like, all right, what are we gonna ask these five questions about? The model works and does all of that for you now. Where do you take ICANN next? What's the next three to five years, David? Obviously, it's industry agnostic. So we feel our bread and butter is really in that industrial space because, like I said, it's an underserved industry when you think of oil and gas, mining, and even when you think about renewables and stuff like that, construction. So we definitely want to stay in kind of that space. So within the next three to five years, that's really what we want to be focusing on. However, I am talking with a lot of colleges and stuff like that where they're wanting to use the technology to develop the workforce of the future because the biggest problem that companies have is they call in like a contractor and they say, hey, I 
I need more operators. And okay, well, great. I got 10 of them. Well, I need experience operators. Well, <laughs> if you can train them and assess them the same way that you're training and assessing your employees in the field, then the only experience that they don't have at that point is they haven't seen your facility yet, but all the other problems there. So whatever we can do to help people out is what we want to be focused on. Very cool. I can imagine the college is picking this up easily as well, to be honest, like you said. Even the, some of the certificates, the colleges are some of the companies doing certification and making sure that people are ready for the jobs. I think it's fantastic. You make another great point. Is some of these certifications that these companies send people to, they, they cost thousands of dollars for, sure. for them to go. And if they pass or fail, they still got to pay the bill. Yeah. So wouldn't it be great to be able to use the AI model to build out those exams, those like a project management professional exam or a a crane exam where they can actually have the person take it to see, hey, is this person actually going to know, of, like, can they actually pass this before we spend $5,000 on this? Again, you just can imagine the savings involved in that. Cool. Yeah. Endless use cases, David, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you down the line and it'll be context sensitive to what the procedure I'm performing. Do you need help? Boom. Yeah. That pops up, right? I mean, This space to me is a really exciting space because I think we all know it is very challenging in our industry to get people with experience, to get enough people. I think we got to get super creative, I think, on how we enable that next generation with the right skill sets at the right time to service this very important industry we all live around. And like you said, I think you could spread this easily into university, into manufacturing. I mean, you know, there's just so many relevant use cases that are adjacent to this. It's super exciting what you're doing and really appreciate what you're doing. It's incredibly exciting and it's really like the most exciting time because the way I explain it is everybody right now is all these people are just scared to death of AI. Like, oh, it's going to take my job. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. And what I try to tell people is, you know what large language model AI is going to do? It's going to do what the calculator did for math. You're going to be able to do higher levels of math than ever before because you've got a calculator in your hand. And that's exactly what these language models will do. It's going to take policy, procedure, training, all that stuff that we talk about, it'll take it to the next level. That's really what's exciting about it. It's gonna take a little bit of getting used to, obviously. Nobody likes change, everybody's nervous about it, but sometimes we gotta take it a little slow, but it's a very exciting time to be a part of it. And we're excited. Awesome. Hey, I don't know if you're at NAEP in a couple of weeks' time, but I'm there with the podcast guys, no GGN, so I don't know if you're at NAEP in Houston, but if you are or if you're at another exhibition, give Mark Lacour and I a shout. I'd love to sort of use the podcast and maybe use that to use some local demos. There's also a couple of universities like Western Colorado, et cetera, I know coming down to Houston, et cetera. Let's you and I talk about that as well, because maybe that's a great way, David, of getting it into other people's heads and probably going back to what Paul and Brian have spoken about of really getting in people's minds and showing what can be out of the possible. Yeah. Cool. No, like I said, it's an exciting time, and it's a good time just because of all the consolidation that's happening in the industry right now. Good. So I definitely appreciate the time. Thank you. So nothing for Brian's uh, mother-in-law, though, Brian, unfortunately. You're going to have to keep on going. Oh, I've got one, about 10 manuals in my head I'm generating right now. I do need to get a license, but David and I will talk about that on the side. And- <laughs> 
Paula, you must have had some content generated on the fly or just your automatic podcasting expert, right? Just easy, slid right in, easy replacement for me. Jace, it's been great being on the podcast and I'm going to retire now. Thank you, Paula. It's taken him about two years to do this. I keep bringing someone on. He doesn't realize that he's been replaced. He just keeps thinking, hey, this is good. We got more people. I think you're a dead fast feature now. So we just come on. Do the, we just come on and do these cameo appearances. But you're part of the core. Did you say a dead fast? A dead. dead fast. I thought you said dead fast. I, I think she said dead fast as well, Brian. I think I it might think be just been stuttering. <laughs> thanks for bringing that to my attention and everybody else. Great discussion, guys. David, thanks again for joining us, and I uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Perfect. Thank y'all. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Join us again next week on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.